Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show. Hi, I'm Paul and I'll be your host this evening. And as you can see, um, I've been joined by someone who has uh, been missing for a while. Got a bit AWOL, had a bit of, uh, uh, had a bit of time off and um, has obviously gone Mr. Ol- got older because he's gone for the flat cap this evening. Uh, good evening, Mr. Harris. How are you doing? Yeah, good evening, Paul, and good, ev- good evening to everybody on uh, NZ uh, Sports Radio. I'm sure I say the driving more, but it's a privilege and a pleasure to be back on the show. Yeah, had an off season, just like the players. And I'll be honest. Look, I, I, I we, we kept, I kept going, um, but I really wasn't into it. It was getting a bit, and uh, it wasn't really until this weekend where I really felt like um, the um, uh, what do you call it? The the the, the, uh, the, 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 the years really started, and I got, ex- I suddenly got excited again um, this weekend. But before that, I'll be honest. Yeah, it wasn't really. Um, yeah, I, I was kind, of, I was all a bit kind of just down on rugby. But uh, yeah, the, the kind of break of the, the, the switch off has been really good. Uh, good evening. Um, Nocturnal Rights, who's joining us on YouTube. Don't forget, folks, you can join us on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter at 8 p.m. every Monday uh, for the uh, Driving More Show. Also, uh, if you can't catch us live, then you can obviously watch replay videos on those places, or you can uh, catch the podcast, the Search for New Zealand Sports Radio, on your favourite pod capture. Um, and uh, uh, and I'll, I'll say, um, Stephen, thank you um, very much. <clears throat> New hat that isn't just and just maybe. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, and it's also reversible, so you can put it on the other way around. I don't know if you can tell any difference. Pattern this side, but so, yeah, it's an all blacks bucket hat. Thank you, Stephen. Um, but uh, yeah, I wanted to stretch it a little bit for my uh, for my big noggin. <laughs> yeah, Paul, I was going to say interesting. Uh, Interesting what you were saying about uh, the rugby season starting, and it just it just kind of felt that way on uh, on uh, Friday night. Now I'm going in and out, so I don't know if I'm if you're losing me from time to time. But yeah, Friday night just felt like the beginning of uh, a rugby. It was a little bit like a date night, wasn't it? Obviously catching up with yourself for that uh, <laughs> Moana Pacifica Chiefs game. Date night, just because someone put that. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bad blind date. Doesn't mean it was a date night. Um, but there you go. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, 
the, yes, yeah, so we both out at Moral Pacifica on Friday for their um, first ever game. They build it as, but uh, they do seem to be forgetting about that game they played uh, two years ago now, I think it is, um, against the New Zealand Maori. That doesn't seem to be registering as a, um, about a year and a half ago, uh, as their first game. But for some reason, they're, they're calling um, uh, this their first game. But yeah, this is the first game at Mount Smart uh, and the first game in this sort of guise, um, I guess. Um, from this one. So yeah, we'll talk about that game. We'll talk about the other pre Super Rugby pre-season games as well, because there's been a number of sides in action uh, this uh, weekend. We'll also have a chat about the Six Nations um, as well. But um, one little piece of, uh, uh, I guess, um, uh, sort of news that's key news came through. Um, Dalton Papilihi has been named as the uh, Blues um, uh, captain. And you've got your Blues jersey on there, Stephen. So are you happy with Dawson being named the, uh, the captain of the Blues? Well, well, firstly, I've got to say it's a little bit of a surprise because if you can recall last year when Patrick uh, Tupulotu was um, injured for a period of time, Tom Robinson took over as, as a skipper. So I immediately thought he would be the, the natural successor. But on, on saying that, um, yeah, probably a good, a good selection at the end of the day. I suppose you want somebody who's going to be on the field playing a goodly number of uh, minutes for the team and uh, he probably suits the bill and I, I would imagine he'll probably be one of the first players uh, uh, picked Paul. Yeah, I, I, Tom Robinson, um, it was great to see him back on the pitch um, this weekend uh, after his concussion issues last um, last year, uh, but uh, it looks like he might have picked up a sort of hamstring injury during that, um, but um, uh, he, um, uh, to, to me, he's not, a, he's not a guaranteed starter. Um, for the Blues with uh, Ikiri Wani obviously also battling out that six jersey um, and Hosking Satutu um, as well in that kind of six eight mix. Um, so, um, from um, so I guess, yeah, from that point of view, I, I agree. Yeah, not so much to sound like Thompson might not be uh, the first pick for the Blues. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I mean, uh, it'd be great for Tom to just to have a season, just have a, uh, a, a season where he just doesn't get injured really because he was on the edge of um, of, of all back selection. Um, a couple of years ago, before he um, did his knee at the at the time. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll probably we'll, we'll get to injuries and in Tom Robinson in a moment because unfortunately he has picked up a, another injury. But we'll, we'll get to that when we cover the Blues Hurricanes game off. I suppose we were having an interesting conversation on Friday evening about Josh Iwani, how he's really good at coming in and closing a game off. I think. What Tom Robinson brings is a lot of energy off the off the bench, and if you probably look at the mix of the Blues forward pick, I don't know if he's actually going to suit their mix or their starting mix, shall I say? Because obviously with Papa Ali there, you would imagine a Kerry Yuani, Hosking Satutu. That probably looks like it, like more like your like, likely starting loose forward trio, and then I would imagine looking at your at your two locks, maybe Goodhue and Romano. And maybe also somebody like Sam Derry off the bench. And that's where Tom Robinson would be handy, as well as an option lock loose forward off the bench. Means that you can carry another flyer on the bench as well, Paul. So maybe he doesn't maybe suit the actual starting mix that the Blues coaches want. Yeah, maybe. But I, I'm not sure about the balance in that back row. If you think, if you look at some, a lot of the other teams and what they've been doing, uh, I mean, it's. Um, I mean, down in the Hurricanes, have been playing a couple of sevens, really, haven't they? Um, plus, uh, plus a six when you've got some um, uh, Karifi and um, Ardi on the pitch. Uh, uh, the weekend, England played two sevens um, effectively, uh, and in some ways, if you're playing 
the uh, Hosking Satutu and the Kiriwani, not only are you playing two kind of six eights, but you're also you're carrying two big ball carrying guys, not guys necessarily that you think are good in the line out, for example, um, a bit big for being a bit sort of chunky to be being uh, lifted. Uh, I, I'm not a, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of Kiriwani and Hosking Satutu. I'm not necessarily a fan of both of them playing in the same back row um, and the balance that that brings. But uh, it, it, I mean, the, the, on the plus side, it does mean yeah, you can you can do that one-two punch where one carries in and the next one carries in as well. Um, so we'll see uh, see about that one. As yeah, Oxford writes, yeah, it is not ideal in terms of hard yakka for the Blues. And look, um, if Akiriwani wants to be the All Blacks number six, then he's going to have to do the hard yakka and be able to put in that work rate. So from that point, it's it's more the balance of do you have the um, the the the, the jackaler the person who's putting in the 15 tackles uh, and uh, and then the ball carrier. I'm not sure that, that you've, you're asking quite a lot of Dalton Bapilihi to be that tackler and um, uh, jackler, or you're looking at it from somewhere else other than the back row, which is, not, yeah, so I'm not sure about the balance from that point of view. Yeah, interesting. I suppose, Paul, while we actually, I know we probably should, should, shouldn't discuss the Blues, but maybe it segues nicely into there. Their trial game that they that they played yesterday, the, the, the loose forward trio that they started with yesterday was Cameron Suafua, Anton Signa, and they had Tane Plumtree running around at number eight, and he, and he he actually did a really really good job in that number eight. So it's interesting that they have got what it shows is they've got plenty of depth in that uh, loose forward trio. But I listen, I, I like the fact that you can have a big tall ball winner at the back of the line-out, Paul, because it's such a good option to have. I just think maybe with Satsutu, Akira, and um, and Dalton, I'm not too sure if you've got those same options available. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, I agree. So it'll be interesting. I mean, Adrian Choate, another, another another player that you haven't named, is, is also in the uh, uh, the uh, the Blues squad. Obviously, Dalton probably wasn't available at the weekend because of All Blacks. Um, holds keeps him out until the uh, until the first round of the um, Super Rugby. Uh, but um, so that's why he wasn't starting, folks. But um, the uh, yeah, you say uh, it's it's difficult to read from the lineups as to what coaches are thinking in his preseason games. To be honest with you, uh, as I'm saying, a lot of All Blacks come back, um, and are they looking at specific combinations, or um, or are they or, or or are they just trying to get everyone um, game time and the. Our post-match interviews that we did at Moana Pacifica versus um, the Chiefs, um, uh, that's one of the points, one of the things that um, Clayton McMillan talks about was how difficult it can be trying to get all the people um, enough game time in these uh, in these preseason games. Uh, and tellingly, their game was was um, three half or three quarter, three thirds of thirty minutes, giving them ten more minutes of rugby than your traditional two halves of 40. Uh, so obviously that, that gives players a bit more time um, on the pitch on that one. So, um, so yes, it'll be, uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, all go um, with, um, uh, with, uh, with, with, with that one. Um, the, let's, let's, so I guess we can sort of get into the games a little bit. Um, so first up was the Highlanders versus the Crusaders. Highlanders winning 20 to 19 um, in that one. Um, don't really know where you could watch it from. Um, it was 17-7 at half time at it. So I've not seen this one 
Uh, I've just basically seen the score. I don't think it was, it was streamed or available. Um, a 72nd uh, minute uh, penalty was all the Hines scored in that second half, to, but uh, and that, that won them the game. Um, tries coming from uh, Dawai, um, Coltman, uh, there for the uh, Highlanders and from the Crusaders. Um, McLeod, uh, the uh, penalty try, and uh, Hickey um, scoring their ones. So there you go. That's uh, and some. Um, I've seen a, a sort of headline that, uh, that that raises saying that he's basically learned quite a, something from that as to what they need, what they need to work on. Um, but I don't know. Have you seen anything else from about or from that game? Well, listen, apart from walking away with what well, it's the farmlands trophy that they play for down there, so uh, the Highlanders will walk away with some sort of silverware in uh, 2022. Um, no, <laughs> we can't really get much out of it, Paul. It, it's it's like, and we'll get on to the Auckland, uh, sorry, with the Blues, um, Canes game as well. Not much you can really get out of this out of this game. I, I think sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll often in these preseason games, you'll see a lot of physical content, but you'll also see a lot of errors as well in these games. Yeah. Uh, Fitzu Pai apparently has uh, picked up an injury from this one, nocturnal right says, which is a shame. Uh, he's had a, 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 a string of injuries, hasn't he, over the last couple of seasons. So it's, um, yeah, shame for him really. Uh, and because um, he just moved down to the Highlands, hasn't he, from the, from, from the yeah. Crusaders, I think, from memory, right? Yeah, um, it's there. So, um, so yes, yeah, real shame, real shame for him. Uh, and uh, especially with, and I didn't play last year, especially with um, those two, that, that sort of 12, 13 jersey in at the Highlanders really is, is up for grabs this year. Um, when you got I mean, Scott Gregory had some, had, had some decent games in that 13 jersey, um, as uh, Thomas Manga Jensen also did pretty well. But, um, Sia Tomkinson, I don't think, has tied down one of those jerseys. So um, uh, neither Punavai either. So I think, yeah, he really, it's a real shame for him to be injured at the beginning of the season, as I think, say, yeah. those jerseys really are up for grabs. Yeah, you're right, Paul. Nobody's really um, grasped that opportunity in those 12 and 13 channels. I remember last year with the injuries, they sort of stumbled upon Michael Collins who's now gone overseas, and of course, Scott Gregory, and they and, I, and they did an adequate job other way around, actually. Gregory played 12, Collins played 13, but are the, is Gregory the answer after a poor, poor season with the Taniwha 2021? I'm not 100, 100% sure. Maybe I see somebody like Thomas Umanga Jensen, really big, robust uh, type, of, type of player. Um, so it's, it's definitely caused concern for the uh, Highlanders coaching staff. Yep. Yep, so we'll see how uh, how that, um, that all pans out. Now, their uh, game against uh, Moana Pacifica next weekend had, has been cancelled, but then I read a, saw something in stuff um, referencing that game, referencing Moana saying how, they, how they'd have to uh, sort of learn learn from this weekend and go better next weekend against the Highlanders. So I don't know if it's back on because all the teams are heading down to Queenstown uh, and the bubbles are there or whether it's off. Um, uh, or whether it's still cancelled, just have to wait and see. Um, now we were at the uh, Moana Pacifica versus the Chiefs. Moana Pacifica. Uh, this obviously this was also on Sky and Prime as well, so even on, on free free to air TV. Um, the uh, so Moana Pacifica scored just one try, and Chiefs winning that one um, seven to sixty one um, at uh, at Mount Smart with that one. Um, there, I, it's. Uh, I think that was. Uh, kind of I mean, a, lot, a lot of talk in the questions afterwards were about how that was a bit of a wake-up call 
for one Pacifica um, and, um, and for the players. Um, a bit of reality check for um, for the fans as well, Stephen. Yeah, I think so. But it, it kind of was nothing that we didn't know. We didn't always. We always knew what could possibly happen. Just remembering this franchise did weren't granted a license till July 2021, which pretty much gave them four months to select a team, which included non-contracted. Pacific Island, New Zealand players, and basically anybody, you know, just the wrong time of the year to be signing players as well. Anybody who was half decent would have probably already signed a contract over the sea, overseas. So they were behind the uh, the eight ball. But I think the most telling comment that came out of the weekend actually came from Sir Brian Williams when he basically addressed the players at the end of the game and said to them, listen, <laughs> you're playing catch up here. You're 26 years behind the Chiefs. Well, not just the Chiefs, but you're 26 years behind any professional rugby team that has played super, super rugby. So there's a little bit of catching up to do, and boy, they will have to they will have to learn really, really fast. And uh, I'm pretty sure, as we both saw, there's plenty of areas for them to to work on, and and definitely the first area is up front. Yeah, and they did say that one of the props had actually joined the camp that day or the day before, um, so hence. And, and, that, and that, that sort of situation was in there. Now, um, one of the things that I think I also took from um, from this was that um, I think a lot of us look at these teams, uh, the the existing Super Rugby teams, think, oh, well, they're these uh, they're these professional organisations who've got lots of resources, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, when you get there, you realise that actually there's probably about ten backroom staff on the admin side that have to cover all the business management, all the ticket sales, all the media, all the um, sponsorship, all of that kind of stuff. They are not big organizations. They're small organizations. Um, but it, but after 26 years, you've kind of got yourself um, uh, in, embedded and got some processes in place. With Moana Pacifica, they're still relying, it feels like they're still relying a lot on um, people just uh, donating their time and volunteering. Um, for it so uh for example i know that we there were, there were about three people who we've been kind of semi-dealing with or dealing with as part of their media kind of group now it's bigger than most teams most teams have one person to do that but um i'm pretty sure i know i definitely know two of them and i think the other person also have all got full-time jobs separate to moana pacifica um and this is not their full-time gig whereas the uh, uh and, and one of those was saying how she was taking sort of um um take sort of uh to head down to Queenstown obviously means they're taking basically vacation to go to go and be in, in the bubble and, and to manage that. So look, it's um, it, it's it's not not only have they got a lot to learn on the pitch with a whole bunch of those players without Super Rugby experience, but they've also got a lot to set up off the pitch um, so that they're all so that they uh, and, and grow as an organisation. Uh, this is no slight on them; it is just. A fact that when you have a brand new organization like this, um, that let's be honest, uh, during these COVID times isn't slush, is, 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 won't, won't be flush with cash um, excessively to throw around to just sort these issues out. Um, a lot of it has been done on goodwill um, because, as you say, Brian Williams, etc., have been trying to get this off the ground for um, over two decades. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people who want this to succeed, and, I, and, and I'm one of them. Um, but um, we just need to have our expectations set properly. That look, that they are, that they've got a long way to go, 
um, the uh, uh, both on and off the pitch uh, to get themselves in a situation that basically creates an environment that can produce a winning team. Interesting point was <clears throat> interesting uh, point of view. I, I, I was talking to uh, Daniel Bowden on on Saturday. I was privileged enough to be in the bubble that I was able to attend the uh, game between the uh, North Harbour development squad or the North Harbour Knights versus the New Zealand Barbarians. There's a tournament coming up over the next month and I'll explain it towards the end of the programme. But we were talking about how the uh, Moana Pacifica um, picked up their licence in July last year and then had to run around buying players. And I know speaking to, and I hope I'm not speaking out of, out of, out of turn here, but um, the discussion piece was more about maybe they should have basically put things into place, gave themselves another year and joined the competition in 2023, Paul, as opposed to joining hurriedly in 2022, trying to race around, sign a whole lot of players, but just maybe put a little bit more foundation in place. Uh, well, I think we can lay the blame of that one out. Um, more, more at New Zealand Rugby and um, uh, Rugby Australia's door, basically. So how long um, they took I mean, we kind of knew in uh, was it November twenty twenty ish that the that some that we were going to be getting to this sort of stage, but it took them until May or or June, whatever it was, June July, um, for them to actually get their license. They actually start signing players. That process just took uh, just took way too long. Um, now I don't know kind of why or where or what we were involved in that, but uh, that's um, if 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 they got that in sort of January February. Sure, they would have still um, been a bit late to the game of signing players, but there would have been some players who who, who could and would have signed um, that that's, uh, that haven't been able to for this time. So, uh, yeah, it, it's also I'm not sure I would want them to wait until 2024. I think they just should have got the contract, been given the contracts earlier, if that makes sense. But either way, you're right. You're right. If you look at how the um, Hankiwaris put themselves together, they had pretty much a two-year run in to. Uh, to um, uh, to their first season, whereas the Sunwolves ended up having a six-month run-in, and we saw the difference in their performances. Mm. Uh, also, the Sunwolves basically rebuilt themselves about four times in that uh, thing. So, um, I guess the situation, and also if you look at like, like the um, like the force, I think you'll see a different force team this year than you did last year. The force last year only had about a month's notice heading into Super Rugby AU that they were, that they're actually going to take part. And so again, they were scrambling around for players, um, and we saw their results. This year, they've beaten the Reds 33-42 in their preseason warm-up, um, and they've actually got a lot more Australian players and young players in there. That is a team that you can see is they're building a nucleus for a team for the next five years. Um, you can see what they're doing. You couldn't see what they were doing last year. Why? Well, they only had four weeks to put it together. Um, so it's a very different. Um, situation when you have time i think we'll see if you look at the force you're probably looking at what more specific will be like in 12 months time yeah that's paul that's a really really good point you make about the western force i also uh read a few people on the social network sort of comparing them with the new zealand warriors or back then they were called the auckland warriors but even with the auckland warriors they joined the nrl in 1995 but that was around announced in 1992 so they, they had their licence to join the NRL. They, got, they had 30-odd months to piece not only a competitive team together, but also 
buy in two or three marquee players, just a couple of names off the top of my head. Uh, Dennis Betts from England. I think there was Greg Alexander, Australian scrum half standoff. And I think there was also Dean Bell, admittedly coming towards the end of his career, but a very experienced uh, rugby league player. So you do need that extra time. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, interesting questions. How long do these teams have uh, super rugby licenses for this time? Um, good question. I don't know, actually, as to how long this... Uh, this setup is, um, but um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see how um, how how that all. Uh, I, I can't remember how long it is for. Sorry, sorry, Simon, I can't help you on that one. Um, the um, nocturnal rights uh, mentioned something. I think that bus trip to Dunedin from Queenstown for Super Teams is a little long for a day trip. Players might feel jaded performing under the roof. Now, uh, this is something that got asked. A bit of a question got asked during the uh, um, the, the post match with. Um, Clayton McMillan. So let's just quick listen to a snippet from Clayton McMillan's um, interview about moving down to uh, Queenstown uh, and how the Chiefs are looking at, um, at, a, at a, a looking at it and approaching it. Oh, we're fucking a lot about it. No, like, um, you know, everybody would be preferred, would prefer to be living in a world where we had crowds and we were able to play at home in front of our loyal fans. But um, unfortunately, that's not how the how the world rolls at the moment. And you just gotta you gotta be adaptable and you gotta move with the. You just gotta do what's necessary to get rugby um, played. And so, you know, most of our guys are are excited about the opportunity. A lot of them have talked about you know tours to South Africa. And years gone by when you, you get away early and it's it's a great bonding opportunity and that can that can potentially set you up for the rest of the season. So that's our sort of mindset. Unmute Paul, it'll all be good. Um, that was a bit quiet, folks. I'm sorry about that, but uh, the interview there with um, uh, with. Uh, with Clayton, unfortunately, we had to keep distance in that one. Uh, don't worry, Stephen, your sound is absolutely fine um, on this. But um, what he's basically saying there is he's using it as a bonding experience, a bit like when they, a bit like tours um, going to South Africa. Um, he was also asked after that about who would would they be fighting for the back seat and the coach. He says, no, I think there'll be lot, lots of Netflix watching and sleeping. Um, so um, yes, that those the the move from Invercargill to um, Dunedin, I think, was added an hour each way to the uh, the coach trip um, that uh, and Nocturnal Rights is asking about that one. Uh, look, I think it's going to come down to TV and that Sky um, have got things set up and people in place in uh, Dunedin. It's much easier for them to do that um, for um, uh, for that one. So, um, but um, the so yeah, so it's um, uh, it's, it's, it's a good um, a good a good way of looking at it from Clayton, not complaining about it. Um, and I think that's what they've, uh, they've, got, they've got to have in their mindset um, is uh, it, that it is what it is and that they've got to play. Um, uh, yeah, they've got to do what they can to play rugby. Um, I don't, I was going to say, Paul, I don't, don't disagree with you. I, you know, like I say, you look to some of the other sports, um, professional sports in New Zealand that play out of Australia, would it be, whether it be the Phoenix, the Warriors, man, you talk about doing a tough they have to do it in another country. I think, uh, I think, unfortunately, dare I say it, I think these rugby players just got to get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the uh, the Chiefs, uh, sorry, one of the Crusaders uh, mentioned that in, a, in an interview 
um, that look when yeah, it's it's um, it's not so bad for well, yeah, relatively speaking, it's not bad for us compared to what other people happen to do. Um, the uh, if you want to listen to that whole interview with um, Clayton, then become a supporter of New Zealand Sport Radio over at patreon.com forward slash enter sport radio. Um, the full interviews with um, Clayton McMillan, Sakopi Kepu, and Cristiano Diafano um, are available to supporters only um, via the ACAST app. Pardon me. Um, when Patreon uh, starts hosting a video, um, then I'll be putting the videos um, on there um, as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, not so much. I'm predicting a few salacious bubble busting stories from Queenstown. Yeah, look, let's be honest. Um, the Highlanders in particular have had some uh, fun and games stories coming out of Queenstown recently, haven't they, over the last couple of years. Um, but um, the Chiefs put out a vid- put out a, uh, a, a mem uh, or meme or how you're supposed to say it, so showing uh, um, the boys sitting on a uh, jet boat going, this is what people think Queenstown is going to be like, and then showing a picture of the boys training and going, this is what Queenstown is going to be like. Uh, yeah, the boy, I don't think they're going to be allowed out. Um, let's be honest. They're going to have to stay in the hotels. Um, there won't be pub trips into Queenstown itself. Um, it'll just be staying in. It'll be going to yeah, lots of golf resorts um, and, 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 and that kind of thing. Um, one of the things I wanted to get out of the uh, the, the evening with, um, or, the, or the trip out to watch the morning game, was to get to talk to, talk to them about their culture. Now, um, we do talk about this, about the, about culture a lot in rugby. But I think one of the things I noticed during the Moana Pacifica warm-up was they all circled up and had a, and, uh, had a sing and a clap um, as part of it, um, which I, I don't know the significance of it, but um, the Moana Pacifica um, uh, media lady's like, yeah, that's just what we do. And it's kind of like, okay, that's cool. But it's, <laughs> it's not what we, it's not how, it's not, it's not something that I expected. And I also asked um, Christian, Christian Leofano about how he thought about the culture of it. So let's have a, Listen to that. Sorry if it's quiet again, folks. I might want to turn your volume up for this a little bit. It's a new country for you. It's a new team. It's a new type of team. That you probably haven't been a, with a, with a team with this much culture in it. How are you finding just that whole experience of, of all those new new cultural challenges? Man, we love it. We love it. And I'm really, really enjoying it. I feel like I'm home. Or oh, I am home. Um, born here in New Zealand in Auckland. Um, so it's um, still like bringing my Aussie flavour in. Um, the boys love hearing G'day made in the morning. Uh, <laughs> Loving um, connecting back to my heritage and all the different cultures and understanding a lot about it. Um, we've got a lot of passion in the group about um, just the heritage and um, what we're trying to carry on. So those have been really special. Every day is really special. Hearing the singing in the background now um, yeah, it just gives me a lot of love and joy, man, to be involved in something really, really unique. Um, yeah, we do things a little bit different and we're, we're loving, it, um, loving being that way. So yeah, so there's a lot. I say a lot of talk about culture, etc. In in rugby, but I, I do think that this team is very different from the other Super Rugby teams um, here in New Zealand. Um, and, so, and whilst they might say, "Oh yeah," but the Crusaders were very different to the Blues. It's like uh, yes and no. Um, at the end of the day, I think there's quite a lot, uh, a, a, a lot more similarities than there are with this Moana Pacifica team. So, um, and you could hear that singing in the background. That was from the Moana Pacifica changing room. Now they've lost the game by over fifty points. By yeah, by over fifty points, um, and they're having a sing. The only time the only time you normally hear teams singing is when they've won, um, and it's not a uh, and it's a very shouty, bangy singing. Um, so yeah, I think it's. Uh, I really do think. I really, I really got to feel that the, the, there was a different culture. It was a different team, a different type of different type of team singing. 
Yeah, Paul, I think it's, I think I can use an analogy, probably a little bit like the New Zealand Māori team, where I think there'll be a, a real sense of of belonging and, and being and probably learning a little bit more about themselves, I would, would imagine, just through through Waiata, that, that song. They, they will go, <clears throat> a lot of these guys will go back to their own own cultures and, and own 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 beliefs and up, upbringings because when you do sometimes go into a, dare I say a more European world you're part of that culture you do leave a little bit behind and it's only really when you when you when you when you come together with your with your own people that you sort of find that that culture again and uh, you know it was it was kind of ref- refreshing and you're, you're dead right you know these guys they weren't too down they looked like they were having a bit of fun and you know that culture side of it might be the, the one thing that maybe despite if they are on the back end of some some um, some bad score lines that actually keeps them together. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was listening to um, the uh, the What a Lad podcast um, where and they had a chat with oh I've gone um, oh the the uh, the Chiefs player who's gone over to um, or Tasman and Chiefs player who's gone over to play in the island for Leinster. Um, James Lowe. James Lowe. Thank you. I was trying to remember his first name. Um, and one of the things he was mentioning was when he went into the uh, news, the, uh, the Mary All Blacks, he's like, it's the first time I was really properly exposed to that culture. Um, so he hadn't been brought up in, in a Maori culture. Um, so, yeah, so you say, uh, I think that, that's a very important team, not just for what it does on the pitch, for what it does off the pitch um, as well. And one of these, and uh, one of the things that's um, talking about this, about, about this Chiefs team, one of the things that, that, that clicked with me when I was talking to Alex Nank, when I asked Alex Nankerville a question um, in the, pre-game um, uh, when uh, um, uh, Chief side announcement I said hey look you're going to play outside Joshuani in the second half what does it feel what, what what's he been like he's like oh yeah I've had to play with I've got to play with him in in, in the Mario Blacks I was like, ah yes why has uh, so I don't think it's a big gamble by Clayton McMillan uh, bringing Joshuani to the Chiefs because he's, he's already managed him at the Mario Blacks level he knows who the kid is um and uh, so, therefore, I, I, um, that, that's why I think one of the reasons that he's actually brought um, that they've brought him in, uh, and uh, there, is, there won't be the same uh, well getting to know each other that uh, that you might have between some players and coaches. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I think I, uh, it's, uh, that's why I think Josh has got this got has got this opportunity at the Chiefs. Oh, I, I agree, Paul, and I think he'll learn a lot about once. I think this will also take him back to his. His culture as well, well, Paul. I don't keep we we keep using that word, but I think he'll find himself again. And boy, what we saw on Friday night was just a, a little. If that's a little cameo of what's to come in 2022, boy, hang on to your hang on to your hats, shall we say? He looks like he's set for a very very good season. And uh, boy, not only with his general play, you know, um, Gatland, who started the, the the first part of that game. Controlled it reasonably well on the back of a very good pick, but once Yuani came on, boy, he just gives you he just gives you another another level, doesn't he? That running game, and of course the the goal kicking is the icing on the cake. No, absolutely, they, 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 the the Chiefs were playing a very narrow game. They were playing 10, 11 man rugby. They weren't. They really weren't going very wide in the first forty five minutes. Now, short, you bring Joshuani on. It's not just, I and mean, there was a whole bunch of other changes at the same time. It wasn't just replacing, it's not all at Gatlin's feet. Um, and obviously the opposition are tiring, pardon me, tiring as well. So there's more space. Um, but um, yeah, I do think um, that uh, 
what do you say that um the, the yeah the, he's he's playing very well he opens up the team uh, when one of the things we talked about was uh will Josh Wine be the starting 10 well it depends what Clayton wants to do with that team does he want to try and win the game in the first half in which case maybe yes if he's but if he's happy to play uh Gatland and play a tight first half and then use Josh Wine when it when the game opens up in the second half you might see Josh in that 22 jersey not because Gatlin's seen as the better 10, but because the style of play and how they want their play to, to change during a game, uh, which might be one of the things. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how um, how that all um, pans out. And, yeah, Simon says, yeah, they, they had a very American football interchange in that match. <laughs> yeah. The Wider Pacific had named three teams for each period, whereas... Um, whereas... Uh, um, Clayton named two teams the first and second halves of the game. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, that meant on 45 minutes, halfway through the, sec- the, the second period, the entire team ran off the pitch and the new team ran on. Um, yes, it was very American. Yeah. So, um, Paul, Paul, I was gonna, Paul, I was going to say, you, you could arguably say, Looking at that first first um, fifteen that started on the paddock, it was very much a B, B look. They they rolled out a couple of their injury cover players and Sam McNamara and Liam Hallamims. And I must put in a plug for you, Paul. We've got that those interviews on uh, NZ Sport Radio as well, and that's pretty much me wearing my North and cap. Just wanted to get a view of guys who have been called into this Chiefs squad, but you know you also saw a lot of younger players like George Dyer who came off the came off the bench so. So impressive in the 2021 NPC, but a player that I'd ne- never heard of was uh, Lalo Melo. Lalo Melo at, uh, at, at centre, and him and Rameka Pohepi were very strong in the midfield. But I've got to say, I've, you know, you put your, your little your asterisks up and say that was behind a very dominant pack as well. Where if you kind of looked at the other side of the, the ledger, we know what pl- very good players Inari and Matachi are as a combination, but uh, Inari got put under a lot of pressure and a lot of his passing was very pressure orientated and it just seemed to flow through the rest of the back line. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think he had a, uh, the, 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 I don't think Lincoln McClutch had the best game um, to be honest, but then again, um, I say a, a lot of those players were put under pressure and he's not played at this level before. Um, the uh, a, a big thank you to uh, to, to Northland Rugby who have um, shared uh, one of those interviews and that's uh, it's taking off on Facebook at the moment. So yes, do check out those interviews that Stephen did um, on the uh, uh, on the New Zealand Sport Radio Facebook page. Uh, and I say big thank you to Northland who have uh, 
uh, got behind us on that one. Moving on then, um, two other Super Rugby um, games, the Reds versus Western Force. Reds lost that one 33-42. As Simon Hughes said in the live chat earlier, that, was, uh, that game was geo-blocked, um, so we've not seen it. Uh, so I've not really got anything to say about that game, apart from it's a pre-season game, folks. Um, so I'm not sure there's that much we can actually read into um, uh, read into the game, um, to be honest. Uh, but good to see the Force get that win. Uh, it's, uh, at least it sets them up in the, the sort of the right way heading into the season. Um, the uh, Blues versus the Hurricanes, mind you, it took a lot of badgering, I'll be honest. But eventually, uh, the Blues and the Hurricanes actually did stream this game on YouTube. So I did watch this one. Um, some, um, how do I put this? Interesting commentary. Um, to be, if we're going to be, be fair, um, yeah, yeah, bit, bit of a bit of a tough one for veteran commentator Ken Laban. You know, I suppose the first thing is um, we've got to remember he was he's probably working off one one camera. It wasn't your, it wasn't your normal uh, coverage that you get uh, via rugby when they've got maybe three or four three or four cameras at the ground. They were using one camera, which had a bit of a wide lens as well. That's that's the first thing. I've I've uh, basically uh, got to say, but uh, I must admit I don't don't think even he realised they'd gone to Golden Oldie scrums for the last uh, fifteen minutes of that game, Paul. And I think that was due to the the Blues losing uh, a couple of their props going down with injuries. Yeah, well, look, I mean, fine. Look, Ken got some names wrong <laughs> during the game as well. Um, now, to be fair, I think for the stream for this game, they had two cameras. They had a wide angle lens, and they had one actually followed play. So I was actually quite impressed. With the with actually the camera work of this game, sure the camera wasn't on halfway, which made it a bit strange because it was on the ten meter line. So you're kind of thinking, oh they're playing, oh hang on, no they're not. So you had to think about and watch the lines as to where where the play was. Um, but hey, at least it's um, uh, so I thought that was quite good. But yeah, but him saying that Super Rugby kicks off next weekend. No, we're still two weekends away. I mean, come on, mate. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, we're, I mean, there were a couple of jokes about yeah, had he had a couple of couple of uh, drinks, maybe a liquid lunch beforehand. But uh, no, I'm pretty sure he didn't. He's a professional guy. But uh, but yeah, it's um, not his best work um, to be honest. But um, but good to have a commentator. I mean, again, hat off, hats off to the Blues and the Hurricanes. They've got a professional commentator in a name that fans will get, will log onto the stream and they'll recognise the voice. It'll make them feel comfortable. It'll make them feel like they're actually getting told the real thing on 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 there. So yeah, good to have commentary, um, which was good. As Nocturnal Right says, very wet game. Absolutely, it was. It was awful, and I'm so glad I didn't. I was not able to go, to be honest, because that would have been horrible. A horrible game to be at. Um, and because of that, there's not much you can learn from this game. Because of the because of the conditions, both. Go on, I, I was gonna I was gonna, I was gonna say just the, the the initial impressions from me, especially from the first half. My takeaways were, I thought the Hurricanes played the field position. They managed they managed the game way better and played a lot of the game in the Blues half, hence creating a lot of um, uh, you know a lot of pressure. And of course, they they deserved a, a good lead, and it looked like they were going to actually run away with it. And that was mainly through their forwards, and they they were actually creating good ruck ball. And unlike the Blues, I thought the Blues breakdown work 
and admittedly, first game of the season, but I think that highlighted that it needs a lot of work. Their breakdown areas, I can re- probably about eight occasions where they either got penalised or they actually lost the ball in pos- they actually lost the ball in possession, so they really couldn't get anything going. But uh, of course, they did provide the highlight of the match. The yeah, that's it. I think there was some some rugby some rugby played, but I. Ken's comment of, uh, oh, they're, they're playing like it's a sunny day, even though it's wet. No, they weren't. <laughs> um, and the Blues, yeah, you say, uh, second half played much better. Um, and you've got to say that uh, and, and part of that's going to be down to which squads were on there. Because, I mean, um, uh, one of one of our friends in, 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 in our rugby chat group that we have uh, was like, hang on, how many fans have they allowed in there? It's like, no, there are no fans there. Those are all, <laughs> those are all squad members. It's like, what? They've got that many players? Yes, there are that many players there. Um, so, yeah, it, it looked like there was a small crowd, but in reality, it was all players um, or uh, or other kind of members of staff because they all went on the pitch uh, during half time. Um, so, yeah, there was a, uh, it's, um, it, it, it was crazy. There's a crazy number of changes. The fact that teams going to keep any kind of structure when they're changing entire teams uh, is uh, yeah, it's, it's going to all get a bit messy. Um, yep. So great finish for the um, um, for the for the Blues. Uh, look, but the um, when you look at their squad, uh, look, the the only question mark around any of the positions really is twelve. And with RTS coming and putting that jumper on, you've got to say look that they're a, they're 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 they've got a, a really good squad. He had a, he had an okay run out um, at twelve. Um, I'd say not the right conditions for him. I think we'll reserve judgment um, for, for, for another day. But um, uh, but look, they've yeah, this is a blue squad that's um, uh, I guess locks and twelve are the two question marks around this squad, um, and they've they've tried to fill that as best they can um, with RTS and also with Romano coming in at uh, in, in, the, in, in the locks. Um, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, the, a, a good a good hit out for them. They'll be happy that they came back to beat the Hurricanes, um, and uh, I say not much more we can take from uh, um, from that one apart from perhaps a couple of injuries. Yeah, yeah. That, that, well, that's a downside for the Blues. Of course, Tom Robinson rolling an ankle. Don't know how bad that is. So you, you never know if it's one of those high grade sprains that could be anything up to six six to eight weeks. And of course, the uh, open side flanker Anton Signer coming off uh, with, with a knee injury. Um, obviously, like the Friday night's game, the Chiefs' Moana Pacifica game, the, the Chiefs who rolled out some young players, it was great to see the uh, Blues and the Hurricanes doing the same thing, really. And I'm really impressed with some of those young players. Uh, Josh Fusitua, who's the uh, younger brother of uh, former Warrior, David Fusitua. Um, this is a highly rated uh, prop, and boy, he um, he looked really good. Really good. Initially, he struggled at scrum time, but the, that scrum... Actually, actually got better, and I thought he was very good. But I was also very impressed. Don't often see uh, Tane Plumtree playing in that number eight jersey. Paul usually a six or a, a lock position. I thought he was very impressive, and um, of course, along with, um, in fact, all three number eights I thought played well. I thought Devin Flanders was very good for the uh, Hurricanes, and I also saw Braden Yosse, who came on in the second half, was very good. So all three number eights were consistently good uh, throughout this game. And I, I listen, I've always seen question marks in and around Sam Derry as well, Paul, but uh, he looks like he's bulked up a little bit and uh, created a nice little uh, 
run right at the end and an offload uh, to uh, AJ Lamb, who got a second try to uh, to wrap the game up. And I thought he was he was solid as well. But uh, yeah, good comeback from the Blues. But hey, there's no points on these games. There aren't, I guess, any other problem for the Blues is that we did get, to, as you say, uncontested scrums or golden ollie scrums. So they've lost a couple of um, props during this game. Now, the Blues have got four All Blacks props unavailable. Um, so obviously they come back into the reckoning uh, once Super Rugby starts. Uh, but I think one of the things that Clayton's been talking about on a, a, a number of calls I've been on is that um, there is going to be a, a, a lot of, there's going, there's going to be, teams are going to be impacted by COVID at some point during this, this season. Um, and they're going to lose players. The contract of 38 is not enough to get you through this season. Your next group of players, uh, although those that they've, that they've had in, are going to be um, very, very important, uh, which hence why, as you talked about there, they've all been, a lot of them have been run out um, during these games. Um, so it is a, um, it's been very important to get those guys, get some game time, get them the exposure at this level. Uh, and I think we're going to see a lot of those players flown down to Queenstown, um, well, depending on how long they're down in Queenstown for. Initially, only the first three three rounds, obviously, but we'll have to see. That that will depend on how um, things are going in the country. Um, and let, we're not going to go down that route, folks. We'll just let it, what will be will be. So um, any final thoughts on Super before we have a quick chat about Six Nations? Um, no, I, I, like you, just finally, just just on injuries, and I, I think it's probably you'll find that a, a lot of the franchise will be running sort of initial tournaments. And I know the, the Blues are running a an under twenty Blues Cup, but it actually started with a game on uh, Saturday between the New Zealand Barbarians, a pretty much a team that was made up of a lot of very good Auckland club players, academy players. Auckland are not putting a team in this competition because most of the players are going to be involved in the Blues under-20 setup. Uh, North Harbour putting uh, their, what they call their Knights team, which is their development team in this competition. But they also had a, got a few fringe Blues guys running around as well. So this tournament will be happening uh, for the next two weeks at Albany Stadium. First games will kick off around about 11am on the outer ground. And that's this Saturday and next Sunday. So there'll be two um, there'll be um, two games played. I think the first game is going to be uh, um, North. I think North. I think North Harbour are playing the the Blues Twenties, and uh, uh, Northland are playing the New Zealand Barbarians. And then the following week, vice versa. And for the final week on the twenty fourth, they go up to Whangarei in the venue to be confirmed. But you'll find if there's any in injuries, well, you've got some guys that are running around that have had game time. So I, I would suggest around the country, you'll probably have some similar competitions running as they did remember last year I think you had Bay of Plenty, Taranaki, Waikato all playing in pre-season games. Yeah they were and I think what you're finding folks is that um, the, uh, the, the remember that there, there was that review about what uh, what shape should rugby take um, uh, it was, uh, I can't remember what the what the, the name of the review was uh, just before COVID um, and one of the one of the outcomes of that was the, the report wasn't released but one of the rumours that came out of it that was leaked was that essentially um, we'd end up with uh, uh, basically academies for the five Super Rugby franchises rather than having the uh, provinces um, being in charge of developing players. Now, what I think you're getting is this kind of hybrid situation um, where the, 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 the Super Rugby franchises are working better with the provinces, um, clearly down in... Uh, the Crusaders' world—they've—they've they've, they've always worked really, really well 
but you're looking at um, the, uh, teams like the Blues and the, and the Chiefs getting much better at working with their provinces uh, around that, those development pathways because it's really important um, for that Super Rugby squad um, and bringing players in uh, either uh, either over years or, or as injury, injury replacements. So yeah, we are seeing that in, improvement, which is great to see. Um, moving on then to um, the uh, Six Nations, uh, we had the opening round of um, the, uh, the Six Nations. And I guess this was part of also why it felt like the beginning of the rugby year for me as well. First up at uh, kind of 3.30 a.m. Um, on uh, Sunday morning, I got up for Ireland against Wales, 29-7. Um, the uh, end result in that one. But Ireland, in that first half, dominated it massively and really should have uh, uh, won the game in that first half. But um, it finished at halftime at 10-0. At, uh, they really hadn't put the points on the board that their possession uh, really, uh, and territory, really should have deserved. And it wasn't until around, uh, well, until the yellow card, really, um, and around the, out, around the sort of 50-minute mark, they really put the game to bed um, with that one. So good performance, good good showing by Ireland, but um, not putting the board, not putting the points on the board that uh, the play um, really deserved. Yeah, poor result and scoreline. Uh, not a surprise for me. I, I think um, Ireland on a day, if they they had a little bit more, if they were a little bit more ruthless, could have easily stuck fifty points on on, on Wales. To be brutally honest, I, I look I look through these. Um, Two lineups and look through this Welsh Welsh side, and it, yeah, it just looks uh, yeah, it looks a little underwhelming at the moment. I've got to say, which is which is interesting in a way because you know you look you look at their back three alone, in uh, Reese Zammett, Johnny McNichol, and, and Liam Williams. Man, there's some they've got some you know they've got some X factor out wide, but uh, yeah, it's just not happening for the men in red at the minute. No, look, they had something like eight players out injured for this game. They had a lot of injuries in coming into this game. Um, you, people like Alwyn Jones, um, Justin Tipperick, Josh Navidi. Uh, so, as you can tell, I'm naming forwards here. <laughs> and as you say, uh, I mean, George North also, who would be their first choice 13 as well, playing Josh Adams in at 13, uh, his first time at this level playing in the centres. Fantastic try scoring winger, not really, um, but but not a centre. He's taking a lot of blame, a lot of flack for this one. People are saying he should never play there again. I think it's a tad harsh, um, to be honest with you. But um, I don't think he, he, I don't think he made that many mistakes. And I think it was speed of ball at the breakdown that was a difference between these two sides. And you got to say that's the forwards' job. That's not the thirteen jersey's job. Oh, Paul and, and, and Ireland when when they get their backline moves right. Boy, they're they're a slick side to watch. They are very, very good on. They are very, very good on the eye, and you know that can probably never be never more dem demonstrated by the uh, by the last try that they scored, or the try that Gary Ringrose scored. You know, good. You know, he could have fed the winger, and the winger could have scored, but you know, good enough to finish the job himself. And um, no, they like I say, on a given day, they could have stuck fifty on this uh, Welsh side. Unfortunately for Wales, leadership. I suspect there's a real big part of the side and getting up for games. And Alan Wynne-Jones is just such a huge loss for the Welsh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, they, a lot of their more experienced, well, I think they had like five, six British Irish lines out. So a lot of, the, yeah, a lot of leadership missing from this Welsh team. And um, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough six nations for them, I think, um, going forwards. 
We follow that one up by um, Scotland versus England. Um, in the, Oh, yes, uh, Mac Hansen um, got man of the match. Um, somebody who couldn't get game time for the Brumbies <laughs> is suddenly uh, man of the match in his, in his first ever international for Ireland um, with his uh, with, with Cork parentage. Um, uh, wow, there is <laughs> there's a bit of talent that's gone missing that the, that the Aussies have missed out on. Um, there, right, he, had, he had a cracker, didn't he? Yeah, isn't it? It's a bit of it's similar to a James Lay story, you know. You know, not wanted to. I'm saying that James Lay could make the Chiefs when he was when he was running around at home. Yes. But gee, that that's that's some story. If you couldn't make a a super franchise, and then all of a sudden you're running around playing international rugby, good on him. Exactly. Um, and I, I must say, I, I just the combination of James Lowe and uh, and D Mac, I just love them at the Chiefs. I just what they could have done at international rugby would have been fantastic. But anyway, um, it is what it is. Um, moving on then. Um, the uh, um, Scotland versus um, England. Now, England um, were, were dominant in the first half, but couldn't put points on the board. Scotland got the ball, bang, they score a try. Um, it doesn't matter what all the other stats say. If you don't score, <laughs> it, it's, it's points that matter, not territory and possession. We saw that in this game. But England came back into it. To me, they had the game won. And then we had a cross-field kick that put Luke Cowan-Dickey Totally out in out of his comfort zone. Um, the hooker out on the wing, jumping against the winger, and he bats the ball out. And you're like, wow, oh wow. Penalty try, yellow card, and in that moment, the game is gone. Um boy, oh boy, that was uh, a bit of a uh you know, a, bit of a silly move by him. Yeah, it, it it wasn't the best. And usually you know how I feel about yellow and red cards and penalty tries, but I, I couldn't argue with that one. It, it took my mind back to the All Blacks playing France, and I think Sonny Bill Williams had a had a bit of a brain brain brainstorm or brain fart, call it what you like, and decided that he'd bat the ball back over the um, back over the uh, the touchline. And I thought at the time that the following player had no chance of scoring. And even in this situation, if he'd actually gone up and even if he'd knocked it on, Worst case scenario, it's probably a knock on, but you can't flick direct the ball into touchline. And, the, and from the moment he actually did that, did that, the official basically said, "You took the opportunity away from Darcy Graham of scoring a try." So it's a, under the under the rules, it's um, it, it's basically a penalty try. And from there on out, that whole crowd at Murray Field lifted. My God, I, I couldn't hear myself think when I was watching uh, watching that game, Paul, and I thought, man. <laughs> If if they've if the Scots don't get get home with a man up, England have done something uh, pretty amazing. And the English, to be fair, got themselves back into a, an attacking position, but just just some of their basics uh, letting letting them down. Paul, yeah, again, like Ireland weren't clinical enough. England, uh, but the Ireland then went on. England weren't clinical when they had their when they had their their when when they were up in the game when they had their moments. Um, and that's uh, yeah. Um, now. One of the things that Luke Karandicki has said is that he didn't know that was the law. People are like, how does a professional player get to this level not knowing the law? Basically because, folks, he is never in that situation. He doesn't have to know those laws. Uh, it was very telling listening to a, um, a Chris Boyd uh, interview uh, that he did for on the Rugby Dungeon with JB, um, where he talks about one of the things about getting players, when, when players transition into being coaches, is that the first thing they need to do is uh, actually understand the rest of the game that isn't involved in their bit of the game and having this having the over and actually understanding the whole game players don't 
Players don't ho- no, don't actually understand the whole game. They understand their bit very, very well. They don't understand. They don't need to understand the rest of it. And he doesn't understand wing play. He never is in that situation. So he doesn't have to know that law. What he should have done is jump for it, miss the ball, and have it glance off his fingers towards the by, towards the twilight, towards the sideline, not push it towards the sideline. And that's the difference they have. So um, really, I, England's got an, an interesting tactic in that they are playing a, uh, a fly half, a fullback, and then four centre-come-wings, essentially. <clears throat> Players who aren't... So, I mean, Joe Marchand is not a specialist wing. Um, Elliot Daly is not a specialist centre. was playing 13, but he can play... Wing. So we've got a whole bunch of players there. Um, and what you're going to do is... Uh, what that leads to is you've got guys who can be very versatile and on attack can do anything. But it does mean also that a player might not be in the right position defensively to cover and... Ireland did very well to isolate uh, Luke Cavendick in this situation. Yeah, Paul, I'm not too sure what um, Eddie Jones has actually seen in Ian Foster's playbook, but uh, there's, a few, <laughs> there's, there's a few similarities, I've got to say, uh, uh, floating around at the moment. But, you know, when you, you know, sometimes coaches make decisions during the game, but I've got to, I've got to ask the question. Um, listen, I didn't think Marcus Smith was playing too badly. Uh, Paul, as well as uh, Ludlow, the blindside flanker. In fact, I actually thought they were two of the better ones in the England team. So I found it staggering that they were they were replaced. Yeah, it's to, to, well to my mind, um, the, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff on online about how yeah Marcus Smith being replaced was the reason that England lost. No, the reason England lost was Luke Cowan Dickey did a did something he shouldn't have done. Um, so yeah, you got to say um, yeah they they weren't anything wrong, but. Um, we don't know what their heart rate monitors and uh, GPS systems, all that kind of stuff, was telling us um, on those things. So, but so yeah, it, it, I think we can say there's, there's a lot of um, substitutions where we where we scratch our heads and go why. Uh, but yeah, um, the um, especially with England are uh, next up against um, Italy um, this coming weekend. So hence they didn't have to make sure anyone was anyone was particularly fit for this coming weekend. They're going to win that game. Um, comfortably, whatever. Paul, I was, um, I was going. I was going to say it would be remiss of us not to say that Scotland got a lot of mileage out of their bench mm-hmm. in this in this game. You know, guys like Tui Pulutu came on. Of course, White came on early and um, finished off that uh, try from from the break. But you know, guys like Skoman, and you know, they all offered something when they actually came off the bench, and they. I think they they lifted, but gee, on the back of that that crowd as well, it just shows you what the influence of a crowd can have at times. Yeah, look, and White was on for a um, HIA when he scored that try, and obviously he went off and came back on again um, for um, for Ali Price. So yeah, the I think that's one of the things I want to say is yeah, Scotland really have built depth now. Um, previously, you'd look at their bench and go, "Oh dearie me, they're in trouble when those guys come on." Not anymore. Um, they've they've really built depth. They are a, a country on the up. Uh, heading the right direction and a cracking side. Uh, will they win the Six Nations? Well, Ireland are looking very good, and uh, so are France. <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, cracking team um, Scotland at the moment, and uh, they go away to Wales next weekend, and I can see them winning that one uh, down in Cardiff. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, Oxford writes says, was there any pinging of hookers for boring the head into opposition's neck and the new safety rule? Um, myself and Boa 
um, discussed this safety rule last week last week on the Drive More show. If you want to actually discuss, want to hear about that rule, go back and listen to last week last week's show. Um, but no, I didn't see any calls um, around uh, axle loading um, issues on that one. But I did see. Uh, but the player, the, the hookers were deliberately asked to put their foot forward um, to try and uh, get rid of um, that one. Um, finally, then France versus Italy, um, 37-10. Uh, look, France got the try bonus point win uh, that we kind of all expected. Um, but Italy, uh, look, I thought they fronted up really, really well in this game. Uh, and uh, they had to defend for a lot of the game um, and uh, do um, really um, do really well uh, in that one. Um, and uh, sure, look, they lost comfortably. They never looked like winning this game. But I thought they put in a, a real good shift um, in this one. Now, it doesn't help that France's 9-10 uh, are both just coming back from COVID um, and, uh, yeah, a, a short of a game or two. But, um, yeah, I think it was, uh, whilst, yeah, comfortable win for, for France, but I think Italy um, better than people will probably imagine. I don't know if you've seen this one, Stephen. No, I, no, I can't say I have, Paul. I know I know. a lot of the reports were saying they put in a really good first half, which was which was good to, good to see. But once again, just conceding, that try just on on half time, you know they could have could have gone and gone into that first half only a couple of points behind the French. But on on, on saying that, gee, you never know with the French, they're, they're a little bit like snakes at the moment, Paul. They um they can go into that cruise mode and just find another gear when they really require it. But it looks like I hope like it. I know I've been a bit harsh on Italy over the years, but you you know you want these teams to be to be competitive and you want this to be a six nations of six competitive teams, not five in a training run. Um, yeah, hopefully they can, they can still put together some solid performances for the rest of this tournament. Yeah. So next weekend, we've got Wales versus Scotland at 3.15 AM on um, Sunday morning. Uh, you've got to say Scotland going in to, uh, to that one as favourites, even though they are away, I would say uh, from last weekend's results. Then a cracking game. 5.45, folks, set your alarms because we have France versus Ireland. The two teams have beat the All Blacks. The two teams both coming off the back of tri-bonus point wins this weekend. That is an absolute cracker. Potentially game of the year um, as far as internationals go um, already. Uh, but... Um, so that one is an absolute, uh, absolute cracker. Uh, talk about games of the year. Obviously, Ireland touring New Zealand for three tests. <laughs> we'll have to wait for that one. But um, definitely get to that game, folks. And then finally, on uh, Monday morning at uh, 4 a.m., Italy versus England. Yeah, not quite such a good game as the other two. But um, I think we all know what the result that one's going to be. But boy, oh boy, France versus Ireland. I cannot wait um, for, for, for that game. Paul, um, Paul. Paul, potentially a prelude to maybe a, a World Cup semi-final or final, that particular game? No, I think that has to... Oh, a, uh, no, quarter-final or final, I think, is the is the answer to that one. Um, but yes, as you say, that that that's, um, that is a cracking game for the Six Nations next weekend um, on that one. Um, now, I'm going to go there. I know we shouldn't do... But hey, I'm going to take Morass of Bass's um, comment. Was it a good decision by New Zealand to ditch South Africa? Why was New Zealand bullied by the convicts in doing that decision? Right, number one, I don't think they were bullied by the convicts, put bluntly. Um, at the moment, 
I don't think Australia has any sway or very little sway over what New Zealand rugby chooses to do. So uh, so don't go down that route. Um, do I think it's the right decision? Yes, I do think it's a good decision because Super Rugby was dead, folks. It was a zombie. It was walking dead. We all knew it was dead and that old format. We we're all waiting for it to die and just fall over. Um, and it had to change. COVID came along and knocked it on the head for us, thankfully, because it just was not working. Um, why? There's all those sorts of things you can put in place uh, and argue about whose fault and yada, yada, yada. But it just was not. It needed to change. It needed to go. I think rugby needs to be organised within time zones so you're not playing games at three o'clock in the morning because nutheads like me will get up for them, but most people won't. Um, so you've got to play within your time zones. And so that I means South Africa has to play with Europe. New Zealand and Australia need to play with the Pacific Islands and, and Japan. Um, and uh, Argentina needs to play with the USA and Canada, uh, Chile, um, Uruguay, etc. That's what will work. That's what will build fan bases. Um, the old Super Rugby had had its day. It was great when it was Super when it, when it was Super Twelve, all the way back. It was something new. It was the there was a lot of excitement around it. But let's be honest: for the last what ten years, it had been on a pretty steep downward slide. Uh, with fans just saying "nah, thanks" and walking away. So yes, it was the right decision. Could it have been done more amicably? Probably yes, but we're where we are. And I think we're where we should be. Um, so, yeah, that's me getting on my uh, soapbox to uh, to finish the show. And um, I'll uh, let uh, Steve avoid all the horrible comments in his Twitter account by not having to comment on that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at Driving Mall is where you want to come and let me know if I'm wrong. Um, because, yeah, that's my opinion. Um, I do agree with Simon, though. It is unfortunate and sorry that Argentina... Are left out of any decent international competitions for clubs. Um, it's or it's it's neither and they also they killed the Americas Rugby Championships. I mean they haven't got any competition, international competitions really that they should be on. I know they're in the Rugby Championship, but I think that the, rugby, the Americas Rugby Championship was fantastic. Unfortunately, that got killed. But anyway, um, the, uh, the there we go. Uh, Morris Burst comes back and says, "Okay, I hear your argument, um, uh, but says it's hurting New Zealand um, young players." Very true. Look, one of the reasons New Zealand kept South Africa in the comp competition against Australia's wishes um, for, for years before that was because the tours to South Africa bred good um, All Blacks. And we'll have to see whether that's, uh, whether we lose that over the, um, the next year. As a player development platform, maybe Super Rugby is worse or, or, or not as strong as it was. But as a fan platform, it's something enjoyable to watch. I think it's much stronger than it was. You know, you know, Paul. I think South Africa are the sort of team that they bring a style. They bring a style of rugby that knows how to get get under the skin of the All Blacks. And I think with a lot of the um, with a, with a lot of the super sides when when they were consistently playing each other, Maurice. I think the New Zealand. It was good for the New Zealand players to come up against that sort of physicality. And if you kind of look at the tests from last year. Boy, you've, you've got to say South Africa just absolutely in both tests out-muscled out the All Blacks. And it's not just the All Blacks that have, beg your pardon, the Springboks that have been out-muscling the All Blacks in recent times. Of course, both the Irish and the French achieved that feat as well. So that's that's something 
or somewhere that they may pay the price in the future moving forward. And I still think it's important to have South Africa as part of the championship. I agree with everything Paul has actually said, but I think what also um, pretty much put an end to it was was COVID, uh, the MIQ rules in, in New Zealand, etc. I think just made things awkward more than anything else. Oh, there was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Camel's back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you very much for um, joining us. Uh, thank you, Stephen, for joining me. Uh, thank you everyone in the live chat who has joined me as well. Uh, been a cracking week. Looking forward to uh, this weekend um, in the uh, Six Nations. Obviously, we've talked about those games already briefly. Um, as far as Super Rugby preseason goes, uh, we've got a midweek game on Thursday with the Rebels versus the Fiji and Jura. I don't know how um, we can... Um, uh, if or how you can watch that game. Um, also, this weekend, the Crusaders versus the Hurricanes, maybe, but unlikely, I think, the Highlands versus Mono Pacifica. Um, the Chiefs are due to um, play the Blues. And uh, finally, that's all on Friday. And the final Saturday, Reds versus Waratahs. Um, again, I don't know how any of those games may or may not be available. Um, at the moment, um, I don't know if any of those are going to be on Sky or whether it be streaming via Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Um, keep your eyes out. If you find out how you can um, watch those games, please let me know so I don't miss out on them as well. Um, and I can then share it through my social media channels so that um, all those five people who follow me, um, no, a few more than that, uh, get to uh, get get to see them all. Um, but thank you, Stephen. Thank you, everybody. Join us next week, 8 p.m. Um, on Monday for another um, hour-long chat around Super Rugby previews, uh, Super Rugby preseason, and also um, the uh, Six Nations review. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 